section eighty three of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume three chapter twelve is nature's course dissolved doth time's glass stand or has some frolic heart set back the hand of fate's perpetual clock will it never strike is crazy time grown lazy faint or sick with very age quarrels gertrude too was proud in her way and her feelings had been severely wounded she had already become sufficiently fine to be able to feel in some degree the truth of what delmore had said in regard to her relations but she was piqued that he should have been the person to force so disagreeable a conviction upon her he who had so often declared that she was all the universe to him and whose favourite maxim it was that love could see no defects in aught pertaining to the object beloved how often had he repeated to her when she smilingly chid his flatteries aucun les illusions de l'amour sont amiables les flatteries sont en sont des verités le jugement certes mais le coeur parle why was it then that he was become so clear-sighted as thus to anticipate these paltry feelings of wounded vanity and to have presumed so far already as to have usurped her power to have promised away in her name without leave asked or obtained a gift of so much importance one which she might have had a pleasure in conferring at his solicitation but which it would be weakness to allow to be thus taken from her lindsay would not have acted thus thought she as she looked at his letter and a tear dropped upon it she leant her head upon her hand and for the first time since her arrival in london fell into a train of reflection from which she only roused herself to begin an answer to his letter but she had only got as far as my dear cousin i am happy to have it in my power when colonel delmore's billet was brought to her she read it and wavered no i will not see him thought she proudly at this triumph over her already returning tenderness but i will not finish my letter to lindsay till to-morrow one day can make no difference and tis almost time to go to lawrence's she rang and ordered the carriage then drove to lady augusta's to get one of the girls to accompany her as they drove along delmore passed on horseback and merely bowed with an air of lofty respect fred seems to be on his high horse to-day said miss georgina laughing i told you he would give himself airs but looking after him he certainly is the handsomest man in town and unquestionably the most admired and imitated apropos have you seen the duchess of st ives i hear she has already doffed her weeds and come out in all her glory delmore was an admirer of hers you must know in her marriage state at least so the ill-natured world said i know she is desperately in love with him and i believe would marry him to-morrow if he would ask her so she will be ready to poison you or pierce you to the heart perhaps with a bodkin as the ladies in old ballads used to do their rivals there certainly was nothing in this that ought to have gratified a mind in a right state of feeling it was food for a perverted taste only but how often are the passions and the prejudices gratified at the expense of the principles gertrude's vanity was pleased to hear her lover praised and her pride was piqued to show her triumph over the duchess of st ives these two ladies had met exchanged cards and graced each other's parties but a mutual and instinctive sort of antipathy had from the first existed between them 
they were both young beautiful distinguished and independent rivals in celebrity and extravagance gertrude learnt for the first time that they were also rivals in love and a momentary pang shot across her breast at the discovery but hers was not a nature to harbour jealous fears and she soon dismissed them no thought she whatever delmore's faults may be i should wrong him were i to doubt his love and truth and she recollected some slighting and satirical remarks he had made upon the duchess the evening before she therefore listened with complacency while miss delmore rattled away about the duchess her beauty her pride her parties her diamonds her jointure her independence of all control and to sum up the whole she concluded with a sigh you know i never see the duchess of st ives that i do not wish i had been born a widow when gertrude returned home it was in the secret hope of hearing that colonel delmore had called during her absence has anybody called since i went out inquired she of her porter as she entered the hall oh surely my lady replied he in some surprise at such a question as he pointed to a pile of cards no one else as she tossed them over with an air of chagrin no my lady in the same tone of amazement at being for the first time so strictly interrogated on the duties of his office he may have called although that stupid man has forgot to mention it thought she and he will probably call again it is not very late those french clocks and watches are always wrong as they told a different tale it cannot be more than seven but just then mrs st clair entered and the mother and the daughter exchanged their morning salutations the former was going to the theatre as it was one of her greatest enjoyments to patronize a large party of secondary people by whom she was looked up to with that respect which money in consequence will always procure from one set if not from another she expressed her astonishment at finding her daughter seated at her harp in her morning dress and the countess hastily rising said she was just going to commence her toilette but i dine with lady peverley who is always late and then what else asked mrs st clair then i believe i shall go to the opera with lady charles and i shall perhaps just look in for half an hour at the duchess of arlington's you are killing yourself gertrude absolutely killing yourself you look wretchedly i must put a stop to this we must leave this town we shall talk of that to-morrow mamma good-bye cried the countess as she flew away to her dressing-room anxious to avoid all unpleasant discussion she half expected to meet colonel delmore at dinner but she was mistaken at all events there could not be a doubt of seeing him at the opera and to the opera she went with lady charles escorted by two or three men distingues but delmore was not there and she watched the opening of every box to see whether he would not yet enter her whole attention absorbed in this single point of observation she neither saw nor heard anything else she was merely conscious that her companions were amused at something she knew not cared not what till at last lady charles touching her on the arm said do lady rossville take a little share of our diversion bad as it is that odd little nid nodding face is too good to be kept all to ourselves and tis so comical all its nods and grimaces seem as if directed to our box it is very savage that none of us will return the compliment said lord iffrington it will be no sinecure said mr vavasour there must be a prodigious arrear and still accumulating as a fresh succession of nods ensued we must draw lots said lord iffrington but vavasour has the strongest head of the party while this was going on lady rossville had looked to the spot indicated and there in the centre of the pit was to be seen a long small throat with a pretty little broad smirking delighted 
looking face on the top of it surmounted by a most elaborate pile of hair dressed in all the possible varieties of style combining grecian braids and gothic bows and tuscan curls which seemed to vibrate with renewed vigour as the countess looked in that direction surely thought she that is a face i have seen somewhere but she still looked on it with a vacant eye till at once it flashed upon her that the face and the head and the nods were all combined in the person of her cousin mrs augustus larkins as if to confirm the fact mr augustus himself a caricature of the reigning fashions turned round and joined his bows to his lily's nods on first coming to town gertrude had heard from mrs st clair that they were in the country which had proved rather a relief and from that time to the present no thought of mr or mrs larkins had ever crossed her brain and now to be recognized by them in this public manner where they were only conspicuous to be laughed at the countess felt her very temples glow and with an exclamation at the heat of the house she drew back and rose and took a chair in the back of the box how mean how silly i am thought she to herself that dared not acknowledge my own relations for fear of sharing in the pitiful ridicule of two or three people who are nothing to me oh i could beat myself for my folly ah delmore knows me better than i know myself and i have quarrelled with him because he does so and tears of mortification and disappointment rose to her eyes i will get the better of this paltry feeling said she to herself and again she returned to the front of the box determined to acknowledge her cousin but the ballet was drawing near a close and mr and mrs larkins devoted their whole attention to it then came the bustle and confusion of breaking up and gertrude began to think she should have her good resolutions for her pains when again the good-humoured lily turned round her bright joyous face and lady rossville gave her a smile and a bow of recognition but the next moment she felt her cheeks glow as she beheld the whole party as if touched by electricity face about simultaneously with looks of eager expectation again she turned away and only breathed freely when she found herself in her carriage delmore was not at the duchess of arlington's lady charles expressed her astonishment at not finding him in any of his usual haunts and gertrude disclaimed all knowledge of his proceedings with as much indifference as she could assume he is probably at the duchess of st ives said lady stanley she has a musical party i believe to-night again the countess found the heat insupportable and her easy good-humoured chaperone left the party with her as soon as her carriage could be got gertrude returned home wearied in body and wretched in mind all the worst qualities of her nature had been called forth and excited during the day resentment envy pride jealousy had all been felt and some of their leaven still wrought in her breast oh how i hate myself and how hideous i look thought she as she glanced at herself in a mirror is this pleasure ah how different from the sweet serene days i passed at rossville but there i was not the vain foolish fantastic thing i am here lindsay was right when he told me that i should never find my happiness in what the world calls pleasure and the admired and envied lady rossville owned for the time that to be admired was but vanity and to be envied but vexation of spirit but a sound sleep and a bright sun have wonderful effects in dispelling solemn thoughts and the following morning found gertrude's mind again gay with ideas of happiness and her beauty restored to all its native freshness she tried to think how she ought to receive delmore but she never could study apart she must always be swayed by circumstances or by impulses and to these she committed herself perhaps i shall find him already below thought she and in that half-formed expectation she hastened to breakfast 
there may be some mistake was the next idea that occurred those people are all so stupid and she rang the bell i am at home to everybody this morning everybody my lady yes everybody she dawdled over her breakfast again murmured at the rapidity of her timepiece while in her heart she felt the slowness of time itself amongst her letters was one from anne black to the same effect as lindsay's i am quite resolved said she as she read it that william leslie shall have that church all that i will concede is that i shall first convince delmore of the propriety of it to be sure i may answer lindsay's letter now and she took up a pen but i think i began one yesterday which i left in my dressing-room i may as well finish it as begin another the entrance of mrs st clair added another to the many excuses for procrastination End of section eighty three